morning, Freedom Church. For those of you that don't know me, I, I know a bunch of you, a number of you already, and uh, I passed it for 32 years, and uh, and I feel good. Da, 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 da. I knew that I would. <laughs> well, praise the Lord. You know, I did. I I popped into this church uh, and uh, just had met the pastor. He said he knew about me or uh, supposedly along those lines. And, you know, I was a pastor for 32 years and he did something I never did. I mean, he just meets me cold turkey and he says, you know, I'm going to be away in a couple of weeks. Uh, Are you free to fill in for me while I'm gone? And I I couldn't even answer him. I just looked at him. (laughs) You don't, pastors don't do that. I mean, you don't know what I'm going to get up here and say. And so he didn't get it. He says, yeah, that would be uh, such and such. I said, yeah, I had nothing going on. Yeah, sure, I'm free. But uh, that opened the door since then, Pastor. Since that day, I I get invitations all the time. God used him to open the door for me and to show me that God's not through with me. As I retired after 32 years of pastoral ministry, I think, I don't know what I'm going to be or do. And, you know, whatever the Lord wants, I'm open to that. So he kind of. Help the way on that. But uh, there's some of you, if you don't know me, as I said, I passed the 32 years, and I'm uh, happily retired. I mean, i am uh, been retired. I look delivered, don't I? <laughs> but I do. I feel good, and I get around to different places. It's interesting. Lisa, who plays guitar and sings up here, she said to me one day, she said, Pastor John, are you, you, you preach in a lot of churches here, there, and everywhere. I said, yeah, I do. She says, but when you're not somewhere, you're here, right? I said, yeah, all the time. And the worship team just opened up their doors and heart to let me play with them, which I think is a complete blessing to be a part of this one wonderful worship team here. And she said, so then I guess then this would be considered your home church. And I just looked at her. I said, yeah. Yeah. You know, and so I celebrate those of you that joined the church here. Mr. Mike and Mrs. Mike, I called them. I thought you were here forever, you two. Wow. And the others here. But uh, it's good to be here. It's a good place to be, right? Right. How many of you here love the Lord Jesus? Amen. Yeah, we love the Lord Jesus. Amen. God is good and his mercy endures forever. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll get into the word of God. I've got a good word. Let me see how much time I got. Uh, We should be done here by about 2.30, 2.45. Uh, Take notes, because there's going to be a a quiz later. I'm only kidding. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to bring the word of God to the people here at uh, Freedom Church. Thank you, Lord God, that the word sets us free, and when we know the truth, we shall be free. So we give you thanks, Father God, that your word is a lamp to our feet, a light in our path. We pray in Jesus' name, and everybody said... Amen. Well, I want to ask a question. Is the church challenged lately? Well, I'd say yes, a resounding yes. There's been all kinds of challenges that have come towards the church. I mean, this pandemic thing that went blowing through here, I mean, there were times that churches were not allowed to gather. You know, somebody up up on top politically said, you can't gather together. Then in California, they said, well, you can come together, but you can't sing. You know, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know. But let me tell you, I, I want to tell you this. You know, I, I, I go to a lot of churches. Uh, I've been, well, like I said, being a pastor all those years, I know a lot of pastors in a lot of places. I get opportunity to speak, and a lot of churches took some hard hits uh, with this pandemic. And Pastor Steve and them, they were smart here. During whatever time you were closed, I mean, you 
renovated this place and, and beautified the house of the Lord. Uh, but I, I go to a lot of churches and they, they took a hit, but I, I'm not going to look at it and say the church is challenged. I'm going to say what Jesus said. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. God's got his hand on the church. And now I'm not talking about a church building, so to say. We're going to look at some things today. We're going to see that, uh, that we are the church, the people. We are the church. When, when we're not in here, nothing's happening. But when you come in here, God's got a place to do something. Because you bring the presence of the Lord in here. You know, we, remember, we bring a sacrifice of praise to the house of the Lord. And uh, that's what we do here. We party hearty on the worship time here. And, and you guys, you sing and you celebrate, you lift hands, and it's a beautiful place to be. But the church is challenged, but Jesus said, I will build my church. Let's go to Matthew chapter 16. We're going to read verses 13 through 18. I'm in the New King James, by the way. Even though the way they really talk in heaven is King James. <laughs> they don't? I've seen all the Jesus movies. They're all British. <laughs> Except the chosen, if you've seen that. Okay, let's pick up in, uh, in uh, Matthew 16. And we're going to pick up in verse number 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, actually Petros, meaning a small rock, really, but we'll explain that in another second here. I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. The rock that Jesus is talking about is the confession that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Amen. That's the bottom line of it all. There's a lot of religions all over the world. Not one of them has someone who was the Son of God. Not one of them had their founder die for them and come back to life by the power of God. We stand alone. And we are, as the word says, we are a chosen people, a royal nation, a peculiar people. And we should go forth the praise of him who has called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. We are a special people in this world. Sure. There's none like us. Because you're not the same that you were before. God came into you and turned you into something you never were, something you never could have tried to become. God did a work in you and I. He changed us. I want to say this to, you know, to, I always say this to Christians. You know, I pastored for 30 years and, you know, I, I can remember guys in the church coming to me, you know, they, I, I guess they must have been a Catholic at one time. They felt they had to tell me their sins. <laughs> I don't know. And, you know, and I, they would tell me something that they did and I'd say, did you ask God to forgive you? Yeah, yeah, pastor, I sure did. I said, well, let me remind you of something. You know, when God saved you, you know, he, he, he saved you when you were at your worst. And don't you think when he saved you, he knew you were going to blow it? You're going to blow it in years to come? Don't you think he already knew that? Sure he did. But his love is greater than our weaknesses. Can you say amen to that? But, you know, we live in the church age. We talked about this a few weeks ago in the men's meeting on a Wednesday night here. We're talking about the dispensations. Like this is the dispensation of grace. It's also called the age of grace. Uh, it's also called the church age. 
is another name for it that we know what we live by. What we live in now and what we have in God and working with God, the, the 12 disciples, they, you know, the, the apostles there, they became apostles. They didn't, they didn't have that. You know? And this is why when Jesus was raised from the dead, as he was going to be ascended up, they said, will you now at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? As far as they were concerned, now it's going to happen. Everything that the prophets said. But what the prophets didn't know was about us. They didn't know about us. That there was going to be something. You know, we, we, we've been talking on Wednesday nights, the gap between Genesis 1-1 and 1-2. Well, there's a gap between when Jesus was, was resurrected from the dead until he comes again. There's a gap in there. We are in the gap. We are a chosen people. We're a peculiar people. We're different. Every one of you can attest that you're not. Do you remember, remember in A Christmas Carol, old Scrooge wakes up in the morning and says, I'm not the man I was. I'm not the man I was. We're not the same. Amen. Only God could have done that. And he did. But, you know, let's look at some things here. Let's look at people who were in bondage. The Israel, in Israel. The Jewish people in this world have been under more persecution than any ethnic group in this world. I mean, it starts out 430 years in Egypt. Wow, they went there on what they thought was a deliverance because there was a famine in the land, and they went there, and Joseph was there. But then another king arose that knew not Joseph <laughs> and put them all in slavery and bondage, and held them captive, beholden to the state for everything that they had. They had nothing. They were slaves. And the 430 years of that, but then Moses comes along. God anoints him and directs him and we know the story. They left. Then later on, there's the 70-year Babylonian captivity. While they're over there, we're going to touch on that a little bit later in this message uh, this morning. There's 70 years in the Babylonian captivity. But then they come back. You know, I remember one time we had a building that we, uh, uh, one of the buildings that we, we leased, we, we purchased two buildings in our, my, my years of pastoring. And I remember we were building walls all over the place, you know, the studying and this, and I used to walk around and say, the spirit of Nehemiah doth rest upon this place. <laughs> We're building walls all over the place and, and all of that. And it was a labor of love, and my God, it was exciting. I look at it now and I say, wow, I couldn't have done it at my age. Now I'd be tired. But, you know, I, but when God is on you, it doesn't matter a whole lot. He'll get you through what you've got to go through. There isn't anything the devil can't, there isn't anything the devil can't throw at you that God can't whip it. And you're in him. Christ in you. The hope of glory, right? In him we live and move and have our being. It's no longer I that liveth, but Christ that liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And then the next verse says, I do not frustrate the grace of God. Meaning, take what God's given you, believe it, and act on it, and you'll get good results. You'll get good results on that. Anybody get that besides the pastor? <laughs> anyway, praise God. And then 400 years of Roman occupation in Israel. And in the height of it, when it was at its worst, God decides to send his son. And, you know, you would think, you know, if I was God, I'd say, well, let's wait, let's wait till things calm down a little bit. You know, then I'll send Jesus in. But Jesus went in there as the boldest of the Lion of Judah and proclaimed the truth of the kingdom and what was to come. And I got news for the devil. You tried your best with Jesus and you failed. Amen. Right? Well, then finally, eventually, 
The Roman Empire crashed. It was all over. They got overrun. They won no more. And guess what? The church was going and growing in spite of it all. They were going and they were going. Then, what makes matters worse, in the last, the last century, there was the Holocaust of, I don't know, six million Jews were killed for one reason only, because they were Jewish. No other reason. They were Jewish. But what came out of it? The state of Israel. After the war, after when they went, the Allies went through and they saw those horrible concentration camps and the death camps and the, and the gas chambers, it was, God moved upon righteous men and they said, you know, the Jews need to have Israel back. And bless God, the nation was born again. And it's growing and it's thriving and it is still. You know, I, mean, I, I know I told you this once before, I'll tell it to you again. I remember the Lord revealed something to me, and I tell it to Jews all the time. I told it to a, a rabbi. He was a young man. And I said to him, you know what Israel really is? And, you know, you say that to a Jew, and they're going to look at you strange. You know, you say to them, what do you, well, you know what I think Israel is? And they look at you, and they, they pause. It's all the same thing. They pause, and they say, why? They just dare you to tell them an insult. But you know what I say to them? Israel is God's thumbprint on the world. It's where he made himself known to humanity. I told it to a vendor that owned a, a concession on the boardwalk down in Wildwood. I was going through the, the store. It was early in the morning. We was down there with our grandchildren and whatnot. And, you, you know, our grandfathers, you know, we spoil our grandchildren. You know. And I'm looking for something to buy for them. And the guy that owned the place is up in this high thing. And he's looking out there. And he says, hey, excuse me, sir, are you looking for something in particular? I said, no, nah, I'm just kind of looking around. I got my grandchildren here on a... I like to buy them stuff. Okay. So I walked over. I said, you have a little bit of an accent. Where are you from? He said, I'm from Israel. I said, no kidding. He said, oh, yes. How long have you been here? Oh, 20 years. <laughs> oh, that's good. I said, you know what Israel really is? And he just looked at me. And he said, what? <laughs> as abruptly as that, he said, bless his heart. What? I said, it's God's thumbprint on the world. He made himself known to humanity. He looked at me and says, you know what? You see anything you want here, you come and see me. I'll give you a discount. <laughs> so I was walking by there a few days later along the boardwalk, walking past that particular vendor there. And I happened to look in there, and he happened to be in there up on the thing. He saw me. He said, ah, hello, my friend. And he waved to me somewhere. I said, you told him about the thumbprint thing, didn't you? <laughs> I said, yeah, I sure did, because it's the truth. I told it to a rabbi. And he said, who told you that? I said, God did. He said, God told you that about us? I said, he sure did. He said, can I share that with my congregation? I said, by all means, you go right ahead. It's not for me to hold it back. You tell him. And, you know, we look at this thing here, and the Holocaust came in. The word of God says in Psalm 34, verse 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them from them all. So no matter what he throws at, you see it as another opportunity to whack the devil. Hey, I'm Italian, you know, wag me, whack somebody. <laughs> whack the devil. Don't ask me any more about that. <laughs> but you see, the thing about it, hard times can't stop God and his people. The church is you and I. We are the people. We're the people of God, called by his name. We sing a song, the blood-bought, the church, the redeemed. And that's what we are. We are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation that we should show forth the praise of him that's called us out of darkness and called us into his marvelous light. We're children of light. 
We're not children of darkness anymore. Amen. Devil comes to you, he finds nothing in you because you're brought back. You've been cleansed. You've been washed in the blood. Let's move on. Anyway, let's talk about a few things here. First thing I want us to talk about, well, we talked about hard times. Can't stop God's people. Can't stop them at all. Let's go to Exodus chapter number 3. Let's go back in the Old Testament. We're going to come into the New Testament here also, but let's go back and look at a few things here. You know, the Bible's an amazing book. It's got things in there that the world is still trying to comprehend, and they can't because it's a spiritual book. I can remember being lost, and somebody showed me a Bible one time at work and said, read this, man. I said, what? Read this. I said, what? I, uh, uh, read there where it says uh, number 22, let's just say. I read it. I said, yeah, all right. He said, isn't that good? I had no idea what it was talking about. I said, well, I don't know. I guess, I guess so. I wouldn't know. See, then all of a sudden you get born again. You start reading the Bible and it starts opening up to you. Yeah. Why? You got a kindred spirit. You got God in you. He's in there saying, okay, son. Okay, do I hear? There, there. Look at that. Look at that right there. Look at that. That's for you. And so we see here in Exodus chapter number 3. Let's start in uh, verse number one. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mount of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire in the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, he knew his name, called him by name. And he said, here I am. He said, do not draw near this place. Take off the sandals off your feet, the place where you stand is holy ground. Holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look on God. And God goes on and tells him all about it. You're going to go to Pharaoh, and you're going to tell him, let my people go. And Moses said, oh, you've got to be kidding me. Do you know who Pharaoh is? So Moses, he says, well, he, he, he's questioning the whole thing. But in verse number, verse number 11, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. And we know what happened after that. All the things that happened. We mentioned it before. The plagues, then when they came, they came to Egypt, you know, and, and, the, and the children of Israel were affected by the first three plagues, which were not like they got, because they kept getting worse and worse. Not only that, every one of those plagues identified the false gods that they were worshiping and just tore them down to pieces. So the children of Israel were, were affected by the first three plagues, but then the next seven, nothing happened to them. They were safe in Goshen. We are safe in the Lord. You can take that with you the rest of your life. You are safe with him. You and I, we don't know sometimes how God's going to see things through. We, doesn't, we don't know sometimes. We, don't, we can't figure out how God is going to do something, but he does it. And have you ever noticed he doesn't do it the way you would have thought he'd do it? He's got a whole different set of rules. I, I always look, I say, God, you like to keep me surprised. That's good. I mean, some of the things that we went through in ministry building churches, I mean, I mean, we went through two different buildings that we bought. And, you know, we had the money in advance to buy them. We didn't have to get a mortgage. That's rare. 
you know, I look at that and I look at how I left my work. Pastor Steve left his work, did what he did. He and I, we have a lot in common. I left my job with a wife and three small children, moved back to New Jersey to start a church. How do you start a church? Well, you've got to know God's with you first. And he was with Moses. He's with us. He's with you. He's with you when you go to work. He's with you when you get up in the morning. You may as well acknowledge him in the morning. I wake up. I, you know, for years I used to wake up, my feet would hit the floor, and I'd say, hallelujah. Now I wake up, I say, good morning, Father, it's me. He knows who I am. He knows who you are. And he knows what you're facing. He already has the answer. He just wants you to learn how to listen so you'll know what he wants you to do. It may come as an impression. It may come in a message you hear. It might come in something you read. But God's going to get it to you. The important thing is be open to get his directives in life. And so here Moses recognizes God in his life. And, you know, I got news for you. The good thing about it is this. When you got saved, that wasn't the time that Jesus decided to look at you. God had his eye on you all along. All along he had his eye on you. But when you finally turned and saw him and recognized who Jesus was, he didn't waste any time. He came in. So he was always there. So God knew where Moses was all along. He knew him by name. He knew who his adversary was. It was Pharaoh. But he said, I'm going to send you there, and you're going to get them out. Moses had no idea how, but God did. And that's the important thing. The Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. Amen? We'll get to some more along these lines. So when Jesus comes, he was with Moses. He is with us also. Let's look over in, in uh, Genesis chapter number 18. Let's go back to Genesis. I wanted to go there before, but let's go there now. Genesis chapter 18. And here we see here, we're going we're gonna to start actually in Genesis 18. We're going to pick up in verse number 17. Sodom and Gomorrah was just going nuts over there. Everything was going on that was absolute madness. It was all against the will of God. And God, like well, I remember one person said one time, I heard him, he said, God frowns on sin. <laughs> God was not pleased with what was going on, but God had a plan to get his people out of there. Amen. He had a plan to get his people out of there. So let's pick up at verse number 17. And the Lord God said, he's talking to Abraham, shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, and that they will keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring Abraham what he has spoken to him. Wow. And the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grave, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against it that comes. And if not, then I will know. But he already knew. He's talking to Abraham. Then the men, there were three of them, if you remember in that story, there were three. Then the men, two of them, they turned, they went on into Sodom and Gomorrah, but one stayed behind. That was the Lord himself. Then the men turned away from there, and they went towards Sodom. But Abraham stood still before the Lord, and Abraham came near and said, Would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there were 50 righteous within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare for the 50 righteous that were in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth go right? See, Abraham knew God. He knew his nature. He knew what, he already knew what God is going to do. We need to be like that, that we know that we might not know exactly what he's going to do, but we need to have an understanding and an anticipation and, and just a perseverance, a faith vision of that. He's, God's going to do something here. 
I don't know what it's going to be, but he's going to do something, and I'm just going to be open to it. You know, I, I think I, I, I told you folks this, and it's not part of my message, but, you know, my wife passed away. I retired from pastoring, and then she passed away about a year later. And quite frankly, I didn't know what I was going to be or do. I mean, you know, okay, you know, oh, oh God, what am I? Who am I? You know, what, what do I do now? I mean, and all, all the Lord said to me was, you're my son. Well, that answered the whole, that answered everything. You're my son. You're my child. Okay. And I just told him, I said, Lord God, Father, I'm, I'm yours for the rest of my life. I don't know what you got for me down the road, but I'll be whatever you want me to be. I'll do whatever you want me to be. I don't know what it is, but I'm yours. We need to have that kind of an attitude. You know, when I was a kid, you know, cars had, <laughs> cars had metal dashboards. How many remember? Anybody here remember the metal dashboards? And my, my father had a little plastic uh, uh, St. Christopher with a magnet. It's stuck on the dashboard. And my father said, oh, you know, you know that thing, it collects light. It glows in the dark. And I remember one time I was driving on the Harlem River Drive, and some guy must have had about 30 little things on his dashboard. I said, holy cow, he's not going to miss a point here. You know, there came a little kind of like a hillbilly song that came out years ago. I don't care if it rains or freeze as long as I got my plastic Jesus sitting on the dashboard of my car. And people, <laughs> yeehaw. Yeah, I know you remember that song. <laughs> but you know, people used to put those things on their car and say, you know, I got God with me. But you know, you got God in you. He's not just on a plastic thing stuck on a dashboard. He's in us. Amen. And so he's bargaining with God. And Abraham can said, would you destroy them all? And he said, no, I won't. Let's, let's pick up in verse number 25. Far be it from you to do such a thing this day to slay the righteous with the wicked, that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? So the Lord said, if I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare the place for their sake. Then Abraham answered and said, oh, indeed. Now, I who am but dust and ashes have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose there were five less than the 40 righteous. Will you destroy all the city for the lack of five? He said, if I find there 45, I will not destroy it. And he spoke to him yet again. He said, suppose there should be found, there should be 40 found there. So he said, I will not do it for the sake of 40. Then he said, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. Suppose 30 should be found there. So he said, I will not do it if I find 30 there. <laughs> he said, indeed, now I have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 should be found there. He said, I will not destroy it for the sake of 20. Then he said, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak but once more. Suppose 10 should be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of 10. So the Lord went his way as soon as he had finished speaking with Abram, and Abram returned to his place. And we know what happened there. You know, the only thing, the only ones that came out was Lot, his wife and his daughters, and his wife looked back, and her fate was not good. And then the judgment came. God got his people out first. We're not given to wrath. We're given to mercy. We're given to grace. Amen. His wrath will never fall on you and I. We are his children. You know, I look at this thing here. How many of you remember? I remember they were... So these great geologists were saying, the St. Andreas Fault is out there going all the way up the West Coast, and it's going to go one of these days, and California is going to fall into the ocean, and the new West Coast is going to be along there. You know, 
<laughs> as long as there's one Christian there, California's not going to fall in the ocean. <laughs> and, you know, and people were afraid. It's going to collapse. It's going to give way. You know, it's going to collapse. Well, you know, it's the same kind of thing here. If there's even just one, God will stay his hand in that. And so we look at that there. Where we, we see here that Abraham bargained with God over the sinners. He wouldn't let the fate of the, what's coming to the sinners be fallen on the just. Amen. And we should have, you know, where is she? Where's Joel's mother? She read that thing last week. Where is she? Where are you? There you are. I read it again this morning about standing in that gap. Yeah. We need to be praying for the people we know that are lost. They need prayer. Because hell is a bad scene. You don't want anybody to go there. Stand in the gap for those that need it. Stand in the gap for those needing it. Last week, people were lined up in here. Pastor and his elders, they prayed for the sick. It was a beautiful sight. Releasing what they have. Such as I have, I give to you, is what the Apostle Paul said. And what they had, they given it to them to see healing come into their bodies because they weren't feeling good. And the fourth thing I want to look at here before we get ready to close. See, preachers, we always say we're going to close. But we usually make that announcement about four times. And, you know, then we close. Yeah, I got time yet. We'll be out of here by 2.45. No, 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 we won't. All right, let's go over to um, Daniel. Now, don't go there, but let's just talk about Daniel chapter 3 with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If you read chapter number 2, you see that Nebuchadnezzar was, a, he was, he, he, he was nutty. I mean, he had a dream, and he wanted to call all his, all his soothsayers and charlatans and he said, you tell me the dream and the interpretation, and if you don't know what it is, I'm going to have you cut into pieces. Oh, gee, thanks a lot. I'm going to have you cut up in pieces. And anyone that, you know, and so, you know, they, they tried bargaining with him over the whole thing. You know, I, you know nobody's going to know that. And he said, well, then you better come up with an answer. You know, but anyway, he finally comes out with the decree, you know, and, and, uh, and you know, he had this vision, and finally he gets straightened out, and they build this big statue of him, of course, you know, and the thing is like 30 cubits high. That's about 90 feet, 92 feet. And, and the, the law is that at noonday when they blow the trumpet and the, the musical instruments, you're to stop what you're doing and bow down and worship. Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they heard that. And they said, no, that's not for us. No, 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 no. We're not bowing on any of that. You know, we, we know the living God. That's, we're not going to do that. Well, word got back to old Nebi, and he called them in. And boy, he, you know, he threatened them. He said, well, if anybody does not worship at those times, you get thrown in the fiery furnace. And they said, well, if it be so, our God is still more than able to deliver us. Well, that just sent him in an absolute rage. And he had them turn the furnace up seven times hotter, tied them all up from head to toe. They didn't just have their hands tied like in a movie. No, no, they were wrapped in rope. I mean, you know, and they, they, even around their heads, if you read the text, and they threw them in into this fiery furnace, and it was so hot that the men that threw them in died of the heat that hit them. But then old Nebuchadnezzar looks in there, and he says, Hey, didn't we throw three men in there? I see four walking in. Have you got that picture? Can we put that picture up there? Oh, that's why you folks on this side, Pastor Steve said, you don't have an overhead because you didn't, you didn't give enough like this side did. <laughs> <laughs> he said that last week. <laughs> I thought that was a pretty good one. <laughs> and, you know, he looks in there and he says, and the f 
We threw three in there, and he called, and he said, there's a fourth one in there. Now, this guy's nuts. And he's being led by the devil, and he looks in, and he says, and the fourth one looks like the son of God. Hello. <laughs> that old heathen got a revelation. He said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come out. They were okay. They came out, the ropes are burning off them. They don't even smell the smoke. That's the way we should come through a difficulty, that people don't even know we went through something bad. That you look fine. You know, I remember somebody said to me, well, you know, you Pastor Joe, I know, you know, she was part of our church. I know you prayed for a lot of sick, and you know, they got well, and they lived, and, you know, how do you process that, you know, Kitty, Kitty died? I said, yeah, well, she died, but God is still God. He don't change. He's still my God. He still saved me. And I know where she is. She's not sick anymore. She's okay. I don't know why she got sick. I don't know why she died, but God is still God. And he don't ever change. They used to sing that song, like, God is God. He don't ever change. Uh, you know, God doesn't change. The regardless of what you're facing, God is on the throne. When something happens and you pray, oh, Lord, God, you know, remember, remember in the book of Acts, oh, Lord, behold, their threatenings were granted to us that we will speak the word. God was not surprised. And when you go to a prayer, and you don't have to tell him really what's happening. He already knows. He already knows, and he already has the answer. But he just wants you to talk to him about it. Let him know that you're trusting him. You might know how, not know how he's going to bring it about, but he will. He will. A lot of people tried to get rid of the Jews in this, on this planet. They're still here. And they're alive and well. And they're part of end-time prophecy, too. But that's another topic for another day. Amen? And so we see here that as God was with Moses, he'll be with you. Let's look at the Apostle Paul. Let's go over to, let's go to the New Testament now, because that's where we are living now. Let's go over to uh, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. They probably have it up there before I tell you. 2 Corinthians 11. And here, let me tell you, see, we are the church. We are the church. You and I are the church. I mean, you know, if... The church should ever sell this place and move on. They could, you know, maybe they'll put another catering hall in here. Right? Make it another banquet hall. I don't know. They could do what they want with it. Right now, it's the house of God. And God is going to be honored in this. I remember we moved into a building, and we, we you know, you know it, it used to be a great big 10,000-square-foot machine shop. You know, the first service in there, people got saved. Nobody ever got saved in there when it was a machine shop. Why did they get saved when we were there? Because we brought God with us in there. And when you come in here, expect something to happen in your life. Expect God to talk to you when the pastor is giving you the word. Expect God to point out something to you and say, there, that's why you're here today. I wanted you to hear that. And you might not know it at the time. You might leave and say, well, I don't know if I really heard anything. You will. It'll come back. The word doesn't return void. And when it is sown, it is spoken out. You know, our, our, we our faith is, 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 is voice activated. When the pastor speaks the word of God, he's speaking a prophetic word. You know, the word of God is prophetic in the sense that it tells you what to do now to get a better tomorrow. 
Because if you do and say what God says, you will get what God is already saying. It will come to pass because he looks over his word to perform it. Maybe that's a challenge for some of you, but that's good. That's good if you're being challenged by that. It's, it's a new arena of your walk with God. It'll change everything. You know, my young, my, 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 my young granddaughter, she's 20 years old, and she's uh, in between school right now. She's going to be going back. And uh, she works at some place, and she said to me yesterday, she says, you know, Grandpa, I work in this place with chiropractic service and so on and so forth. And she says, there's people that come in there that need help. They're younger than you, but boy, they sure do look and act a whole lot older than you. I say, yeah, that's because most people my age are a lot older than me. <laughs> As a man thinketh, so is he. Be a person of faith, calling the things that be not as though they were. God called this whole thing into being by the spoken word. Amen. Well, let's move on. That's another story. It's another topic. Where did I tell you to go? 1 Corinthians 11, verse 22. And here we see here a foundation for us to look at that is part of what we are, the church age. I'm in the wrong chapter. Here we go. Did I say 2 Corinthians? Yes, 2 Corinthians 11. I'm sorry, I was in the right place. I used to get around, how many, you know, I used to have a Bible that if I just said 2 Corinthians, it just just opened. (laughs) (laughs) You remember how your Bible just opened up to where you wanted to go. Anyway, 2 Corinthians 11. The Apostle Paul is talking, he says, Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they the ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors. I am more. Here's this. More. I am more. In labors more abundant. In stripes above measure. In prisons more frequently. In deaths often. (laughs) From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day. I have been in the deep, in journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own country, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often. What happened here? My Bible jumped. There we go. In sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, daily what comes upon me is his concern for the church. He was more concerned about the people in the church. This is why we are the church, and God gives us people called by God. You know, I've often said to Pastor Steve, I know you'll bear this. I say this to Pastor friends all the time. If you're going to be a pastor, you, you, you are either in the will of God or you're out of your mind. Because there's no in-between. How could you? I, I pastored for 32 years. I could not have done that on my own desires. You see, the thing about it is this. You, when you, you, you to just have a passion for something that's half-baked. You've got to have a purpose in something. And then the passion will come to do it. And when the passion comes upon you to do it, you become tireless. I said, coming in here today, I said, I'm armed and dangerous for the devil today because there's going to be people hearing some of these things we're talking about today. It's going, to, it's going to help you to change the way you think about things, about yourself, about things going on in your life, things that have happened in your life. And you're going to learn how to shuck it off and, and be, a, be a, a, a soldier in, in the Lord's choir. I mean, we have some veterans in here today. And I, I was talking uh, this morning with the, 
what was his name, Greg, uh, Jules' son. And he was in the Marines for four years, and we have a Marine brother back there. You know, I was in the Air Force before. We do things in the military that, as a civilian, we wouldn't do it, right? Right, Mike? There's things that they tell you to do in the military. You just do it because you're trained to do it. You, you don't take account, you know, go, go take that hill. Yeah, but they're shooting at us. Go take that hill. Oh, all right, yeah. All right, yeah. You go take the hill. You know, the sergeant told us one time to drag a 750-pound bomb off the taxiway. It would have gone off if we would have moved. He said, get out there and move. Yeah, but sergeant, I think it's on. Get out there and move. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. The three of us were, it's probably going to go off if we try to move it. Yeah, I know. And here we are walking over to this bomb. You see, when you're walking with God, you don't have fear. Fear and faith don't mix. But building yourself in your most holy faith. Amen. By prayer. Being in the Word, finding out who you are. Pastor Steve, I mean, he did some great teaching on, over there in the book of, uh, of Ephesians there a while back. About, it's a tremendous book for us. We should read it more often. I play it in the Audible Bible. I listen. I listen to. I want to hear it spoken to me. I want to hear it come to me. But that's just what I do. And so how would you like it? <laughs> What's your name? Sandy. What? Sandy. Sandy. How would you feel if the Apostle Paul walked up to you and said, uh, Sandy, I'm, I'm going to go on another trip. Uh, hey, let me give you this. Read this. this. This is some of the stuff I've been through. But uh, Would you like to come with me? And, and he gives you a list of what I just read. I don't know what he was saying. I wouldn't want to go with him either. I mean, I'd read that. I'd say, oh, what, are you kidding me? Look at what this guy has been through. But he was undaunted by it. Undaunted by it. Undaunted by it. That's why he writes to us. He says, you know, in the word, he says, that which I have received of the Lord, I give to you. He's saying, this has been proven. I already worked it through. It works. Walking with God is a success story. It does get us over the hump. And we need to have a, victor, a victory mentality, not a victim mentality. Yeah, right. There's so much truth in this. Too many people hurt. I don't watch the news. You know, I'm not getting political. I just don't watch it. I don't watch it. I want to know what's going on. Now, I remember I took a break from the news one time for 30 days. So I told my wife, I said, I'm not going to watch the news for 30 days, all right? Oh, all right, yeah, sure. You know, so every day I get up and I say, uh, are we at war with anyone? No. Okay, that's all I want to know. <laughs> so 30 days later, I put the news on. They're still talking about the same thing. I said, uh, what is this? 30 days later, they're still talking about the same thing. My sister, bless her, she's going on to read the Lord. She watched the news late at night before she went to bed. And the first thing in the morning, she put the news on. I said, Lou, what are you doing? Nothing happened overnight. They're going to tell you the same thing. They say, I know, but I want to hear them say, what do you want to hear that for? <laughs> anyway, the Apostle Paul went over to all these things, but did it cause him to stop? No. No. Is the church challenged? Yes. But Jesus said, I will build my church. It's his. Like we are his workmanship. So is all of this. So is all of this. And so we look at this. Let's look at Acts chapter 20. We're going to get ready to close. That's the second time we talk about it. No, we're doing all right. I told you, 245, so you know, we're okay. <laughs> no, no, I'm only kidding on that. I didn't do it as a pastor. I'm not going to start now, Pastor Steve. I'm not going to start now. Okay, where did I say to go? 
20. Okay, and in verse number, I believe it's 28. And here we read. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to sharpen, to shepherd the church which God, the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. He purchased it. So all of us were purchased with a price. You know, those of you that are parents, you know that you look after your children. Doesn't matter how old they get, they're still your child. You still care, right? You still care. It doesn't change. Amen. Now, grandchildren, I like grandchildren. We should have had them first, you know? <laughs> anyway, I'm going to keep you laughing a little bit. All right, let's go to 1 Corinthians. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians. We're going to get, we are getting ready to start to wind this down here. Let's go to verse, uh, chapter 20, 12. And we're going to read, starting in verse 12. Chapter 12, starting in verse 12. For the body is one and has many members, but all are members of that one body. Being many are one body, so that also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks or whether slaves or free, and have been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, um, I am not of the body, it is therefore not of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body, it is therefore not of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smell? Well, it just goes on and on, showing all the difference of uh, the, the different parts of a human body, such as we all have. We have hands, we have feet, we have ears, we have eyes, we have nose. You know, we, we can talk, we can, you know, we have feet. We all have the same things, but it's one body. This is what the church is. We're all different. And listen, folks, I go to a lot of different churches, and they're not all of the persuasion of what I came through and what I was. I was of a you know, Pentecostal word of faith. But I know enough of the word of God to tell people the straight thing and not... And it, it's all good. There's a part for all of us. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And so it's for all of us. And we're all different, but we are important. We are important, every one of us. We're many members, but one body. One person can't do it all. Teamwork gets the job done. I was really happy to. I saw the new members are coming in today. Mike, you and your wife back there, you're getting involved, getting into a leadership capacity. You know, and, and, and I see things happening here. You know, I, I come in here on Wednesday nights. I go to the men's, uh, the men's group. I'm impressed every Wednesday. I come in here. I see this place loaded with teenagers. And young children. And I look at that and I say, man, these teenagers, they're going to church on a Wednesday night. Yeah. Something's happening for them. You know, I, I, there's one particular church I know with this COVID that hit, and the church took a very bad beating. Well, there are more in the church now than there were before COVID. And it's the majority of it, they're young people coming in with a zeal for God, a hunger for God. There is a new generation that's storming the gates and coming in. And we need to take a look at that and say, that's where the Lord says, I will build my church. God is building you. You are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. No longer you that lives. Christ lives in us. 
And I've been through all kinds of things. Listen, I was a pastor for 32 years. There's things your pastor won't tell you about things you go through. His wife won't either. Bless you, Lorraine. There's things you go through as a minister that, you know, you, you, you're either called or you're nuts. You know, I just, I remember something very briefly. I mean, we, we moved back to New Jersey. We were in Oklahoma working with my company. I left the job, and we were meeting on Sundays at a hotel in the conference room. There were a thing, pretty good-sized room. But we were having a Bible study in our house during the week, and somebody in the neighborhood complained about it. And so the city manager sent me a letter and threatened me, threatened me that I had to cease what I'm doing immediately or else. I called him up on the phone. I said, what else what? <laughs> well, how about we just let, let, let me and some of my men come on over to your house. We were renting an apartment. I said, for what? Well, we want to kind of look around. We heard you're having a church service. Oh, I said, no, no, we have a Bible study. We have church on Sundays. This is just a Bible study. People sit on the couches and whatnot. Well, we just kind of, we, it, it, you know, it's, it's not allowed. I said, why is it not allowed? Finally, he, he, he said, well, actually, I want to, just kind of want to tell you how we feel about Bible studies, and forgive me on this, but I said to him, I really don't care what you feel. I did. I said that to him. I said, I'm not concerned about what you feel and what you think. God didn't send me 1,300 miles for you to tell me how you feel. He says, well, I'm warning you. You better shut that thing down. I said, well, I'll tell you what. Look, I'm not going to argue with you. We're going to be here. You can come Wednesday night. You can come as a guest. I'll come with a warrant for my arrest. It's up to you. I said, but you're welcome to come. But you're not going to look through my house looking for what's not there to be found. And he left me alone. Because he was wrong. And so, you know, things happen. But it's, it's time that, you know, you, you, you take a stand. I know whose I am. I know what God has done. Sometimes we need to go down memory lane and look at what has God done in my life thus far. And I think every one of us can look at our life and see where God came through in difficult times. He'll do it again. You read your Bible. He did it again and again and again. You know, over and over again. Look at Israel. I remember reading, the, when I was a new believer, I read the book of Judges. My God. I went from crying to cheering. Oh, my God. <laughs> and God raised up another little, oh, yeah. And these were did I even recited the Lord of oh, no. And it just went up and it went down, it went up and it went down. I said, Holy cow, they're still your people, oh God. Wow. Let me close this thing down. The local church is the backbone of the universal church. The universal church is the church at large worldwide. Worldwide. Brother Mike and Veronica, I went to my wife and I, we went to England a number of years ago. We did a seminar there. And I only knew this one lady and her husband from our church that were in England. And I didn't know anybody else. And we walked into the church, and I felt so at home. Because Jesus said, if two or more are gathered together, my name, there I am in the midst. And I said, my God, I went across the pond, as they call it, to come here to find family. That's why we come to church. We're family. I like what Pastor said to the new people in the family. That's what it is. Like Lisa said to me that day, you're always out preaching here and there, playing music, but I guess, I guess you would, this would be your home church. And I just remember, Lisa, I looked at you, and I said, yeah, you're right. That is the way it is. So when I'm not out preaching, I'm here. And I want to hear something. 
That's going to help my life. Are you hearing me? I'm not above it. None of us are. But if we stay listening, God will talk. Let me close with a couple of things here. We're not going to go there, but in Psalm 137, children of Israel in the Babylonian captivity, and they were so discouraged, they were so depressed, it said that they hung their harps on the willow. That's why the willow trees are called weeping willows. They hung their harps on the willows, saying, and, and, and they said, and, and those that held us captive, they said, sing to us a mirth from Zion. And they said, how could we sing a song of Zion in a foreign land? They were so broken, so discouraged. How many here, did any of you, any of you ever watch that Anne of Green Gables thing? You remember that? I remember I wasn't interested. My wife and daughter were watching. It was very, very beginning. My wife said, come on in here, Joe. At least look at Zion. I said, ah, that's a... Uh, you know, some kid, some girl, I don't know. And, you know, when I walk in there, I walk over the living room, and, and Marilla is going up the stairs. <laughs> yeah, you, you remember Marilla? She's going up the stairs, and, and, and she's talking, and, and the young girl, Anne, is down there saying, haven't you ever just been so distraught? Haven't you just been so discouraged? Haven't you ever had such despair? And Marilla stopped on the stairs. She looked back and she said, to despair is to turn your back on God. And boy, that got my attention. I watched the whole show. <laughs> I said, wow, what a statement. We can't turn our back on God. He's our ever-present help in the time of danger. Amen. And so here, they said they wouldn't do it. They were so disgusted. So we're not going to be like them. Psalm 30, verse 5 says, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Yeah. I remember being on the island of Guam in 1965. The monsoon rain came. I was a ground crew mechanic, B-52 bombers. We were flying every day, bombing Vietnam from Guam. And, and I remember the monsoon season came. And Brother Mike, you'll appreciate this. We had no foul weather gear in the monsoon season. Isn't that good? And I mean, we were soaked right down to our skivvies, man. There wasn't a dry place on our body. And you know, you had to be out there in the military, hurry up and wait two hours before scheduled landing, where they're dropping us off out in the middle of nowhere in this taxiway with parking places in this torrential rain. The water is running like a river, and I'm sitting on my toolbox, and the water's running around me, and I'm sitting there saying, someday I'm not going to be here. Someday I'm not going to be here. Someday I'm not going to be here. Someday came. I got out of there. Eventually. So whatever you're going through, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. I want to close with this. Now I'm closing. <laughs> Let's go to Psalm 91. I want to give you a little something. I challenge you to try it. You'll like it. I read it out loud a lot. And I read it in the first person. I put myself into it. That this is God talking directly to me. And I'm taking ownership of what God's promises are to me. Can you do that? Take ownership of it. Say, if God said it, that settles it. Therefore, I believe it. Read it this way. Read it out loud, not just quietly. Say, I will dwell in the secret place of the Most High. I shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him I will trust. Surely he shall deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the pest perilous pestilence. He shall cover me with his feathers, and under his, under his wings I shall take refuge. His truth shall be my shield and buckler. I, I shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand, but it shall not come near me. Only with my eyes I shall see, 
I shall look and see the reward of the wicked because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even my most high dwelling place. No evil shall befall me. No, no, no plague shall come near my dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over me to keep me in all his ways. In their hands they shall bear me up, lest I dash my foot against the stone. I shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent. You shall trample underfoot. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore he will deliver me. I will set him on high because I have known his... I will set him on high because he has known my name. I shall call upon him and he will answer. I will be with him in trouble. I will do, I will, he will be with me in trouble. He will deliver me and honor me. With long life will he satisfy me and show me his salvation. Take ownership of the exceeding great and precious promises. I hope this helps somebody today. I hope it encourages you. Listen, I'm still working through this stuff myself. You know what I'm enjoying about my years? I've been over 40 years in the Lord. I'm still learning. It doesn't end. Yes. Right? I passed it right here. Yeah. Right. Well, we're still, I'm still learning, and it's so exciting that, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't go to a church anywhere and say, well, yeah, I heard that. No, because he's going to say it different than I did, and I'm going to hear something that I missed. I say, yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Maybe there's someone here today, we're going to pray together. Maybe there's someone here today, you've not asked this great God that I've been talking about this morning. You've not asked him into your life. The access is easiest through Jesus Christ. He paid the penalty of all of our sins on the cross at Calvary. And he was raised from the dead to give us freedom. Let's all pray together. Now maybe, maybe in us doing this together, maybe you're here and you say, I'm not saved and maybe... As you start praying it, it'll mean something to you. Heaven is just a prayer away was an old country western song. There's a lot of truth in that. Let's all pray together. Would you pray with me? Just follow me in prayer. Heavenly Father, well, we're going to start again because <laughs> I don't hear anybody praying with me. <laughs> Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he died for me. I believe he was raised from the dead. Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me my sins. Make me a child of God. Wash me and make me new. And I thank you for it. If you're here this morning, don't raise your hand. I'm not going to ask anybody to come up here. But if that's you, uh, you've got some elders here in the church. Uh, uh, Pastor Jamie is back there. You can see him or one of the other elders in the church, and they'll help you. They'll pray with you, give you information if you need some. I want to pray for you before I close. You've been such a good group of listeners. Thank you so much for your patience. And I know you were getting some stuff out of this. But I want to speak over you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you, be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. (laughs) Give you peace. God bless you. Have a great afternoon today. Amen.